Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And uh, tell me, Julie, um, this is kind of a personal question. I hope you don't mind me asking, but have you ever been abducted by aliens and uh, probed in a UFO somewhere? Oh, my goodness. That is personal. Um... No, I haven't. <laughs> I gotta be quite honest here. I, I would love to make something up, but I have not. That's the weird thing is like, like when someone asks me that question and not that they ask every day, you know, just on public sure. transportation, but, um, but, but you do have to think about it because you're like, I don't know. Let me, let me think because I think we all have, I, I, I'm generalizing tremendously here, but I, I think a lot of us have little like half waking events in our lives. Um, you know, bits of dream, et cetera, that, uh, that are kind of suspect, you know, and things we, you can't explain. Yeah. Things you can't, com- yeah, completely explain. And that if you really wanted to, you could make a case that they're a part of some phenomenon beyond, you know, our understanding. No, yeah, I think I've mentioned to you before that my grandmother, that, you know, she's got some, some lore in the family about how she and my grandfather saw little green men. But when you start to pick that apart a little bit and ask her more questions, or when I had uh, asked her those questions, she couldn't really answer them. Like, she didn't really want to talk about it. And then mm-hmm. I said, well, what about, you know, Grandpa? What, did, what was his deal? What was his take? And she said, well, he didn't want to talk about it. Hmm. Which, you know, you could take that as, like, just him saying, there were no green aliens, but I'm not going to get into this discussion. Right. That's a, I had a similar thing in my family. I, I had a couple of aunts, or my mom had two ants and uh, they they lived in this house together and one night they apparently saw a triangle shaped ufo in the backyard but they but it was again one of these things where they never talked about it you would just hear like you know set you know secondhand it's like oh well they saw a ufo once but they don't like to talk about it right it was the night yeah. that we shall not speak of yeah right yeah so and it seems like you see looking at some of the studies uh, that we um, examined um researching this podcast you see you, do a, you see that a lot with people there's uh like a lot of the people who have um who at least claim to have experienced an abduction experience and should note that according to, uh, uh, to some of the numbers we're looking at, um, more people are, are prone to say, yes, I saw a UFO than yes, I was abducted by extraterrestrials. But, um, but among those that have, um, they, they tend not to want to make a big deal out of it. Most that have of them, been abducted? That, ha- that claim to have been abducted. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're not necessarily out there, you know, on the news, um, you know, pushing for interviews or publishing their books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats on it, they're actually, they're pretty like, uh, you know, like middle America, if you're looking at the U.S. And the majority of them don't have, um, any sort of mental problems that would indicate that whatever they think they saw was a, a figment of their imagination. So I guess when you look at that and you say, well, what, you know, what's, what's going on here? Why do so many Americans think that they've been ferried from their bed at night, um, and had all these experiences? Why, why do, why do just regular ordinary Joes have these experiences? Mm-hmm. Now you said, did you just say ferried? Is it, did you, did I hear that right or did I miss you? Yeah, that? I did okay. say fairy. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking about Hades. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's, that's key though, because, um, um, today it's aliens. Yes. But, uh, in previous times and in other parts of the world, it, it, it kind of depends on the worldview. You have lots of un, unexplainable phenomenon or phenomenon that at least defy explanation, uh, from certain viewpoints. And, 
throughout hi- human history, we've attributed them to different things. We've attributed them to, you know, the, the, the you know, the gods interfering in, in, uh, in human lives or, you know, it's angels or it's fairies or it's witches. Uh, you know, the list is. Or, yeah, succubi. Succubi, incubi. And, yeah. uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, particularly, uh, with a, a dream thing. But, um. Your dream? No, well, no, you, well, your dream. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, that is, one. this is sounding very inceptiony, but, uh, but no, more on that later. But, uh, but yeah, like, uh, w- one of the accounts that I really, um, uh, like to, uh, to look at, and, uh, and this is more directly related to UFOs, was, uh, in 1917 in, uh, Fatima, Portugal, a number of people claimed to see these lights in the sky. Like thousands, right? Right, right. It was like a huge, um, a huge event. And a lot of that was, uh, attributed you know, to like mass hysteria on, mm-hmm. on one level, but but uh, but the interesting thing is that everybody like like experienced it as as this holy event. It was like the the Virgin Mary uh, descending into the area. Into that this, right, like on a on a um, cloud of light or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. Descending into this um, important to mention highly Catholic area, and, uh, and and you know, and these people were not very scientifically literate for the most part. Uh, you know, it's 1917 in like, you know, rural Portugal. So, um, so they ended up experiencing this in the form of a religious event. Now, if that happened today in, uh, you know, Huntsville, Alabama, uh, I'm thinking it would be a different experience entirely. Well, and I was actually thinking about, I don't know if you recall this, but a couple of years back, there was a woman in Georgia who claimed to see the Virgin Mary in her old refrigerator, <laughs> like the image burned in oh, okay. or something. And, I mean, hundreds of people made the pilgrimage and said, yes, indeed, I can see the Virgin Mary in your refrigerator. And not in, literally, but on the outside of the refrigerator. And uh, and it makes me think of, like, the just the pattern recognition that your brain can't help but see. Yeah. Because as humans, we're just hardwired to sit there and say, oh, okay, that, that I do see that. I do see the Virgin Mary. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to, like, if you draw... You know, a line and add two dots, we see a human face. So it's, it's not too much more of a stretch to, to see the human form in anything. Right. And then also, if I'm going to travel a hundred miles, uh, on the chance that I'm going to see the Virgin Mary in a refrigerator, I'm going to see the Virgin Mary in a refrigerator. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. And there's that excitement. There's that group think. Yeah. Yeah. So that, or mass hysteria, as you had said in the case of, uh, Fatima. But let's, let's look at some of the stats, um, uh, that we, in the numbers we have out there, uh, regarding, Alien abduction. Okay. Um, tell me about that. What is it? The, is it the Roper? Yeah, there's a Roper poll, which mm-hmm. basically says that something like 4 million Americans have had uh, a certain uh, indicator of experience that may be <laughs> an alien abduction. Right. And this is a, this is a highly uh, suspect um, study, according to some people? Yeah, actually, um, the study, they actually did a couple different studies. They did one report specifically in which they polled 4,000 people, mm-hmm. and they asked them five questions. And when people answered those questions, it's something like the predominantly four out of five people answered yes to those questions. Right. Now, the first question is, were you abducted by aliens, right? No. Oh, that's the problem okay. with it. There's no like, hey, do you do you believe in aliens? Have you ever been abducted? The questions were along the lines of, have you ever woken up paralyzed with a sense of a strange person or presence or something else in the room? Okay. Well, I've had that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have too. Yeah. I've had, yeah, I've experienced sleep paralysis which is what that sounds like mm-hmm. um 
But the problem is, is that they took the study and they mailed it something like 100,000 mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. And the foreword was written by a man named John Mack, who uh, was a Harvard psychiatrist. So what happened is you've got this sense of credibility creeping up in this study. And all of a sudden you're talking to psychiatrists about what sounds like it could be a real phenomenon. Yeah. And, and like we were talking earlier, I can, I can easily imagine if this were to, uh, hit the internet today, you know, all the, uh, the variations of it that would, uh, that would trickle down through all the blogs and, uh, Facebook's right. profiles would be like, it would, be, it would just be stuff like, OMG, Harvard dude says alien abductions happen to everyone. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that, that was one thing that happened that certainly could explain some of the uptick that we've seen mm-hmm. in the last couple of decades of people claiming to have had, alien abduction experiences, um, when in fact it looks to us like it's more of a shared cultural script. I mean, if you think about it, the the incubus, the succubus. Um, and the incubus and succubus, uh, for those of you who uh, yes. aren't clued in to the Dungeons and Dragons as much as we are, um, this is, uh, and folk tales and stuff. It can, it can be very That's limited. Right. But uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the succubus, correct me if I'm wrong, is the female demon. That's right. And the incubus... Uh, or incubi, plural, is the male demon. And these are demons of lust that come to you in the night. Right. So if you're a nun or, uh, let's say, a virgin in the medieval ages, mm-hmm. and you wake up in the middle of the night and maybe during sleep paralysis, you may imagine yourself to be pinned down by a succubus or an incubus. Right. So these are the sort of cultural mems ideas that have evolved into what I think now is is the the alien uh, succubus, if you will, right? Incubus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A number of experts. Uh, the boogeyman. Yeah, the boogeyman. Or there was one. Uh, I have to look at my sleep paralysis uh, section in the notes. Yeah, this one came up uh, in uh, I believe this was in the uh, uh, in the Susan Blackmore article. Uh, she mentioned the old hag of Newfoundland. Yes. It presses on people's uh, uh, chest. And I find that particularly amusing because I lived in Newfoundland for a few years as a child. But oh, was never, did. yeah. But it was never visited by a strange hag that, that like stepped on my chest. Or no anything. hill witches either. No. Yeah. But when I lived in Tennessee, I was pretty sure at one, and this was like rural middle of nowhere, Tennessee, during the height of my, um, uh, paranoia about alien abductions. Thanks a lot, Unsolved Mysteries. Um, I was, X-Files. yeah, and, and well, luckily I was, uh, no, I think later I was watching X-Files 2, which did not help at all, but the, um, but the Unsolved Mysteries especially had me terrified. And, and I do remember waking up kind of like, you know, again, feeling kind of paralyzed and feeling like there was something setting on the edge of my bed. And, uh, you know, so, so clearly, according to the, the Roper study, it was, it was an alien abduction. Uh, clearly. Just waiting to That's, happen. Yeah. Know? And now you need to go to a support yes, group. To, yeah. To, and I need to go to see a therapist to find out what the rest of it is. Right? right. One of those therapists on that list that received one of the copies of that report would be great too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it could really substantiate your experience. Now, now real quick, um, back at the Roper poll one last time. This is again, controversial, early nineties, but according to, they, I think they said like 2% of the people polled. Yeah. Claimed to have been abducted, abducted by aliens. So they extrapolate, extrapolating that you get to the uh, premise that four million Americans may have been abducted by aliens. Yeah. Which is a lot. And, 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 and got, and garnered some international attention, right? I mean, people were 
wondering what's going on in America, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you actually get back to Susan Blackmore, she mm-hmm. was um, actually put on assignment by BBC because BBC said, "What, what's going on? <laughs> why, why are so many people in America claiming to be abducted?" So she actually um, started looking into it, and first she started to look at the brain and how the brain can trick us. And uh, one of the things we've already mentioned is sleep paralysis. Uh, sometimes we become mentally alert and we can't move um, when we've just woken up, and that feels really unsettling. Mm-hmm. And that can actually uh, make our body-brain desynchronize. Uh, and then when that happens, we can have hallucinations. Right. So if you think about that, too, look at the logic behind that. You're in bed. Mm-hmm. You're paralyzed. Your brain is fritzing, and all of a sudden you think you see something at the end of the bed. It sounds, it's, it's a start to sound like the cultural script that we've been hearing about with aliens. I was in my bed. Right. I couldn't move. And something was there. Something was there. It mm-hmm. spirited me off. By the way, this is another time the uh, during sleep paralysis, this desynchronization when you might feel like you're floating or you're having an uh, out-of-body experience. And this also seems to, um, I think, like a lot of... Uh, uh, aspects of the abduction experience. It, it really key, uh, keys into a, a central fear in, in just our animal nature, the fear of something happening to us while we're asleep and vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we've talked about this before mm-hmm. with uh, animals and how they sleep in unihemispheric sleep. So how right. they, shut, they can shut off one part of their brain and just kind of keep one eye on the action. So we've evolved to the point where we don't necessarily need to worry about predators, right? Right. So you're right. There could be a little bit of a evolutionary hangover there. Yeah, to call back to another podcast. But, you know, know, it's something that, you know, our our bodies are saying, hey, you may not be eating in your sleep now, but it might happen later. So we're just going to keep that that uh, level of uh, neural fear alive for a while. That's right. Um, and uh, and like 20 percent uh, of people tend to experience sleep paralysis. So it's uh, it's it's a fairly common thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, actually. Blackmore didn't stop there. She went and visited a neuroscientist named Michael Persinger. Mm-hmm. And he is someone who believes that uh, out-of-body experience and alien abductions are linked to excessive bursts of electrol- electrical activity in the temporal lobe. And this is the God Helmet guy, right? Yeah, he created mm-hmm. the God Helmet. Or that's what it's called. I think he actually calls it the octopus or something like that. <laughs> um it's actually a helmet with uh, solenoids that deliver pulses of magnetic field that stimulates the temporal lobe and induces the what he thinks are the types of hallucinations that people experience. Yeah, stuff tied to near-death experience, stuff tied to uh, encounters with uh, supernatural uh, experiences with ghosts. And again, ghosts is yep. another thing, another um, version. Uh, uh, well, ghosts are another way that we sometimes, uh, I think, interpret these strange encounters. Yeah, another yeah. cultural script yes. that we explain, try to explain the things that happen in our brain. Right. Uh, but she went and she visited him, and um, what she learned is that people vary in temporal lobe lability. Mm-hmm. So some people have a high lability, and some people have a low lobility. The high lability uh, people have unstable temporal lobes, and they exhibit frequent bursts of energy. So if you're on the low end, then you're not obviously having that much activity with um, with those sort of bursts of energy. But the people with the high lability, the, those people have been thought to be more creative in the sense that they tend to have uh, reported experiences of deja vu to mystical and psychic experiences. So the thought that is the thought that's there is that they're a little bit more predisposed 
to have some sort of imagination in that area right. that might be tripped off by this um, electromagnetic field. And another really interesting thing that Blackmore found out about Persinger is that he reports that strange experiences tend to peak in the weeks and the months before earthquakes when magnetic changes may occur. Hmm. So his idea is that, that uh, these magnetic changes are influencing the temporal lobe. And uh, and and if you're more susceptible to those kind of changes, then who knows what you'll see. Right, right. And on top of that, you may have um, you may have post-traumatic stress syndrome mm-hmm. and, and some sort of delayed uh, reaction to that. Right. Um, you may have other sorts of traumatic experiences that could arise in that sort of environment. And Blackmore herself actually underwent the experiment, and she indeed felt some sort of presence. Uh, during this time. And in fact, she was, this was really interesting. She wasn't so much freaked out by the, um, by the fact that she had just put on this helmet with, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> but, uh, and, and had this experience. But the fact that Persinger was actually, uh, messing around with solenoids mm-hmm. and her thought was, well, okay, you know, so what if I have this hallucination? What about this guy messing around with my magnetic field? I mean, how, how can we yeah. look at that, <laughs> you know, that use? Could someone be an evil genius and, and start messing uh, with us purposely in some way. So that was her experience with that, which was pretty cool. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. Now, it's interesting. You mentioned that uh, that uh, the creative, more creative people are more prone to some of these temporal lobe anomalies. Yeah. And uh, the... And, and this, this centers on something that I've, I've thought a lot about, like the idea that like creative people are more, more prone to be crazy sometimes, or at least, and sort of self-destructively crazy. Right. And a lot of that, uh, I feel, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of building my own thing here out of, uh, you know, some, some new age stuff I've, uh, I've gotten here and some research stuff I've gotten here, but, okay. but we're us creative people. Both of us are, but bo- we're both writers. True. And, uh, and I feel like as, as writers, you're, you're more prone to create things that are story shaped. You want to craft things into a story. And human memory, as it turns out, is, is, is a lot about crafting a story. And, uh, and this actually falls back on something that, uh, Susan Blackmore mentioned. And that's that we use stored information to reconstruct plausible accounts of past events. Right. That, that our memory is based on taking all this sense data and building a little story and then filing that story away. And, um, and we're human. So a lot of the stories we create I mean, we're at the center of all these stories because we're, we're selfish little creatures. Right. And, uh, and a lot of these stories are, you know, they're, we can create awesome, amazing stories with these brains of ours, but we often create little pathetic stories and little sad stories and little, you know, poor me stories. And, uh, and so I've wondered at time, if, at times, if, uh, if creative people are simply just, we're faster at it. Like you give us some like mildly depressing stimuli and wham, we can turn that into a story hmm. with us at the center of it, drop of a hat. Where someone less creative, it would maybe it would take a little more effort and a little more uh, determination to make a sad story or a you know, like ego inflating story out of said stimuli. Hmm, that's interesting. So it's sort of like left-handed people have a the theory is that they've got a quicker uptake with um, information processing. Mm-hmm. So we'd have a, a quicker story making machine up there. Yeah, with our, our little monkeys are cranking them out a lot faster. Yeah. Huh. I've got to think. Well, I think too with writing, there's the compulsion to write, right? And mm-hmm. if you think about Freud and um, was the compulsion repulsion theory, 
that you continue to work things through your mind so that you can master them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just because we're inherently, um, freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. But, but back to alien abduction, this ties back into that because we talked about, all right, so let's say I think an alien might have sat on my bed right. when I was a child. All right. And, and, and I, and I'm meeting one of the criteria for possibly having been abducted by an alien. Right. According to the, the Roper report. So I go to a therapist to try and uh, unlock these, uh, these memories that are hidden from me. Right. Okay. Right. And we already know that memory is not something that's locked down or that's completely true. Right. Again, it's just, you know, all this stimuli turn, turning it into little stories. So as, as it turns out, it is possible to create false memories. Now this, this can't, this does, is not something that can account for all the abduction stories out there. So it's, you know, this is just one, one more item in the, how it works. Is this because you might, as a creative thinker, already have a script in your mind? Or is it also because you're being led by the, by the therapist? I, th- I think both. I think that's, that's one thing we mentioned. Like if you're going to a therapist, you know, to, to unlock these, these secrets, uh, of, of your past, for one hand, you could go to a therapist that is going to be more inclined to help you create that that uh, version of events. So it's sort of like the the, the person who who claims to have ESP and starts to sort of hint around and say, "So your cousin starts with a J." That da da da. So they're sort of leading yeah. the, leading the witness. As yeah, well. and under hypnosis, you can you, you can implant ideas and you can you can sort of steer the creation of so called false memories. Okay. So that sort of that meant that's another layer there that that uh, helps us to explain why people are having these memories or these thoughts. Right. It's like the the key is that false memories can be created through through hypnosis or even through just I mean, if you've ever dealt with anybody who like is you know has a lot of denial going on, you you, you can see that we can create visions of versions of reality. You know, right. that, that, whatever will actually fit our needs. And they've actually done this in studies before. Right. They've recreate, they've implanted false memories under hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And they've actually had, I remember, I can't remember what the premise was, but um, what they did is they, they worked with the participant and then they had the family later on mm-hmm. corroborate the events. And so the person, so when they brought that up, they said, do you remember that time that da 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 happened? The person would say, why, yes, I do. And would have like this full story of what had happened and it was hard for the people that were conducting the studies after they debriefed them after the study was done they actually said this didn't happen and they said no no it actually did happen (laughs) they had to convince them like no we we implanted this well it's like the old adage if you tell a lie what three times five times then you come to believe that lie and uh, and it also flow, you know anytime you hear a story about an actor like a method actor being a yeah. little crazy because they become they believe their character or uh, you know or I you know I hear stories all the time of like uh, pro wrestlers who be who confuse their real self with their um, their their fake um, you know on t- persona. TV's persona yeah. you know and and that's because a, a false memory is conducted is like a little story built out of these little pieces, but a real memory is also a little story built out of these little pieces. So the difference between a false memory and a true memory is not that that huge. Okay, so that makes sense. If you look at at, at fantasy and reality, mm-hmm. you, we're pretty good at distinguishing between the two. But when you start to look in the more gray areas of memory mm-hmm. and reality, and these things that are happening in your brain while you're asleep. And the fact that you've, you may be more predisposed to creating these sort of stories, then you can really start to see how these things came together, especially when you look at the, the cultural factor right. of us telling these stories over and over again to explain the unexplainable. Right. 
So the thing that I want to know, though, is why why are abductees always probed or molested or raped or getting something implanted in their nose? Or <laughs> I mean, what's what's up with that? Well, on one level, I think it. You know, I was talking about earlier about how the the, the fear of being attacked or eaten in your sleep is pretty basic. Um, I also, you know, also I think the the fear of uh, sexual attack is pretty basic, and the fear of something being taken from or put into your body. Uh, I mean, because that's that's basically we've had to deal with parasites for you know, for ages. That's you know, it's part of our evolutionary history. And a lot of these boil down to, oh, you know, I, I had this uh, abduction uh, event and, oh, I have uh, strange scars that I can't explain. Right. That's actually one of the uh, the questions on the, the Roper uh, questionnaire was, do you have any strange scars that you can't quite explain? And, of course, we all have. A lot of us have scars that are that we can't necessarily place. Right. But uh, but the idea is that some people be- begin to think that something was taken from them. Um, you, you see, um, like some, like women who have uh, occasionally lost pregnancies, you see this, uh, get incorporated into an abduction. Event. So the traumatic experience of right. that is, is explained through it. Right. Yeah. The son, the, 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 the child was taken from them by the, by the alien or, um, or countless people that, that again insist that, um, some sort of a tracking device was placed in their body. Right. By, by aliens. Yeah. And Susan Blackmore also points out that when you do have sleep, uh, par- Paralysis, it's quite possible that at that moment you could be experienced some sort of sexual arousal, which right. usually happens during the dream state, which is when sleep paralysis happens. So it's not too far fetched to think that you might be having some sort of, um, sex thing dream. And then you say, oh, okay, that aliens are now part of this. And yeah, because, yeah, because I, a, a number of us have, uh, I'm, I'm sure had these type of dreams and they tend to, there's a sexual aspect and then just a completely loony dream aspect going on. So it, it becomes this like the incubi or the succubi. Yeah. Some sort of bizarre and maybe terrifying event that at the same time has some sort of sexual charge to it. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it's left to the brain to assemble a story out of that. Yeah, the best example I've seen about this came out in the news not too long ago. And uh, there's a, a farmer in China and he claimed to have uh, been visited by a female humanoid, which he thought was an alien, who was three meters tall, had 12 fingers, and braided leg hair. Whoa. And all she wanted to do was make love to him. <laughs> and uh, they ended up levitating in, in coitus for about 40 minutes, he claims. Wow. And I thought, wow, that is really specific. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, and then levitating again. To go back to um, the hallucinations is is something that you might feel like an out of body experience. Um, uh, so sex, aliens, um, levitation—it's um, probably not happening unless you're dating David Blaine. Yeah. Well. Um, or not. <laughs> well, uh, also, uh, you know, other sleep things that go on. Uh, we also have false awakenings. Yeah. Which, if you've ever seen a horror movie with a dream sequence in it, you know this. Uh, you know how this works. The yeah. person wakes up, they think they're awake. Oh, it's still in the nightmare, and then you wake up for real. Um, and and so uh, this this is something that uh, that is also really important. You know, when we talk about the mind and its ability to create a reality, uh, a false reality, is that just think of your dreams, any dream you've ever had that at the time seems real. That's your uh, neural equipment up there creating a false reality for you. Now that false reality may fade away uh, rather quickly uh, when you enter the waking world 
but it's proof positive that that it can play all sorts of tricks on you. Right, and that you have that. That's what's so fascinating to me is you've got this analog of your reality, and if you look at it just a little bit closer, it might be a little bit off. Right, the lighting's not quite right. Mm-hmm. There's something. There's something in the dream that you think, okay, there's I I'm working through my my usual stuff. I'm getting up. I'm brushing my teeth. Uh, but wait, I'm not. I'm not actually awake, which is such a disconcerting moment. Mm-hmm. It really makes you doubt yourself in your mind, I think, which is the really interesting part about this, about right. how we could go so wrong in our minds and and misremember things. Right. Yeah. And and back to the uh, the, uh, the the talk of the uh, the sexual aspects of the the encounters, you you do see an alarming number of uh, of probings. Uh, uh, showing up in these accounts. Yes. <laughs> and, and we mentioned the, uh, the American study, but there have also been, uh, Canadian studies that show a tremendous amount of, uh, of alien abduction, uh, encounters going on. There's a 2001 University of Ottawa School of Psychology study, and they found that 48% of those polled believed in UFOs and 33% believed in abductions. And then this is, this was really interesting. 2% thought, uh, believed that they had been abducted before, which is the same percentage that the Roper report mm-hmm. had. Um, and uh this was all uh, in this was like 398 people profiled in uh the area of Ontario they're all students all um around 28 years of age so wow may, but then again maybe aliens are just really into probing uh Canadians in in the uh in, that are in their you know late 20s yep pro bono proctologists from space yeah you never know. So, what what are the problems? What's what's the basic problem with a, with an alien abduction in terms of logistics? Well, there there are some uh, some pretty obvious ones, uh, being that you know why isn't are aliens wasting so much time probing Americans and or Canadians? Right. Like, and now China. And now China. And then and, and why sw- switch to China? Are they like, all right, the the rectal probing is complete for the North American continent. <laughs> Let's move on to China. Let's see what's going on over there. Data sampling is great over here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So so there's just some common sense things uh, about that. Uh, Also, travel through space is uh, is a huge one. This is more of like an alien visitation uh, on Earth kind of uh, argument in general. That's that the universe is just vast. Uh, huge distances, and uh, and based on what we know about about relativity, traveling these huge distances uh, either requires... um, you know, it would just require a lot of time and just an, an enormous uh, uh, level of patience. Right. And uh, and then these, uh, you know, the different like UFO enc- encounters that have taken place. People have seen these th- things and recorded them moving in ways that that no like living thing that we understand could possibly survive the G forces in. Okay, so Terrence McKenna, who okay. um, was a self-described psychonaut um, and oh. someone who was a, he was a shaman, he was all sorts of things. And in fact, I'm not doing him um, much justice in, in describing him that way. But just for sake of brevity, know that this is someone who was really interested in space and in particular in aliens and other dimensions. And he would probably take issue with that because he seemed to think that uh, DMT, which is a drug, was a bit of a wormhole to get mm-hmm. around all of that. In, in other words, it would connect you directly to some sort of hyperspace dimension where you could talk to aliens. And he was pretty adamant about this. Yeah, I guess the, the big thing here, though, is that you can't prove any of that with science. And no. and when it comes to UFOs and alien abductions, uh, we're still waiting on the evidence to to show up for someone to you know put it on the table here's the ufo here's the 
yeah, hey, I had a probe implanted in me by an alien. Here's the scar. Right. Can you get that out? And it's like, oh, well, actually, there it is. Let's take it out and scan it. Hasn't happened. Right, right. And so that also comes down to null hypothesis, right? So right. even though Terrence McKenna might have had this experience and feels like if you, if we all took DMT, we could be talking to aliens right now, the the burden of proof is on the individual. Right, yeah. You can't walk into, uh, you know, uh, walk up to a scientist and be like, all right, Aliens are visiting uh, the planet. Prove me wrong, man. You can't do that because it's not on them. It's on it, it. The burden of proof is on the person making the 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 claim that there are aliens visiting, that there right. are aliens uh, probing us and abducting us. Yeah, and it should probably be said too that for people who have said that they've been implanted with something, there have been many people who have said, "Well, let's get a third party in here and let's get some MRI imaging and look at that implant." And nobody so far has succumbed to that. Um, so it's, we don't, we still don't have any sort of souvenir from the aliens, so to speak. So I think what all of this, uh, is pointing to is the fact that it's just, it's enmeshed in our cultural fabric. We can't help it. Yeah. We're encountering strange things we can't understand. And we have to build a story out of those events using the resources at hand and, uh, and using the, the most believable. We live in an age that's heavily influenced by science. And so the explanations, no matter how uh, fantastic, are going to be based in science. Well, and so I'm thinking that if you're still not convinced um, and you love coffee table books, that you should know <laughs> that a new coffee table book came out. It's called The Art of Close Encounters. And it's 150 illustrations made by alleged abductees describing their experiences. Oh, and if you've ever seen one of like one of these illustrations, like in a news broadcast or an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, they're amazing. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm being a little judgmental. If I had to draw my own alien abduction experience, it would look equally stupid because I am not an artist. So it's an entire book of this sort of thing, and I, I can't wait to see it. Myself. I bet you'd have a really good drawing. <laughs> <laughs> but well, now you know what to get me for the holidays. Excellent. All right. So if you want to learn more about these topics, uh, we have a number of resources on the website. We have an excellent article by Stephanie Watson uh, titled How UFOs Work. And this is a, an excellent overview of just the UFO phenomena and uh, some and some info about alien abduction. And then uh, I recently wrote kind of a follow-up to that called What Are UFOs Really? And that deals with some of the issues that we discussed here. Yeah. So t- together, between those two articles, I feel like I have a nice complete package. Uh, also, be sure to check out, if you're not already, uh, check out uh, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know with Matt and Ben. That is a great uh, uh, video podcast uh, from How Stuff Works that deals exclusively with uh, unexplained uh, phenomena and uh, strange encounters. Alien territory. Yeah. And, and as for you guys, if you have any kind of... Uh, Strange encounters in your past, uh, alien uh, encounters. If you've seen UFOs, if you've been abducted, then by all means, please uh, email us. We're we're open minded. We're not going to make fun of you. Um, I think this podcast has has relayed the point that uh, that all of these experiences are are valid. That they may not actually be happening, but the experiences are are real to us. So I'm I'm delighted to hear more about people's uh, uh, experiences with uh, with alien abduction or UFOs. And hey, prove me wrong. I would I would love to to be proved wrong on this. I really would like to believe in them as long as they're not trying to abduct me or probe you. Yeah, and you can uh, you can email us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook, where you can also find us as Blow the Mind. Thanks for listening. You can find these articles and many more every day at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. 
the How Stuff Works iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.